0: Even if you work fifty hours a week, which is more than most, and you sleep fifty-six hours a week, which would be eight hours a night, seven days a week, which sounds like absolutely delicious to most, uh, you know, working brothers. Uh, you know, the fact of the math is still after work and sleep, you still have over sixty hours to do what you decide are your priorities, what you need and want to do for yourself, and
1: um, you know, your family, your your friends, and your community. Welcome to the Secrets of Supermom Show, where we explore how successful, busy moms battle overwhelm, beat burnout, and stay happy in the process. I'm your host, Lori Oberbreckling, wife, mom of four, corporate executive, photographer, and author of the book Secrets of Supermom How Extraordinary Moms Succeed at Work and Home, and How You Can Too. Hey, hey, friends, welcome to episode number 147 of the Secrets of Supermom Show. Joining us today is Dr. Elizabeth Arlio, mom of three, radiologist, and author of the new book, First, Eat Your Frog, and Other Pearls for Professional Working Mothers. For working mothers, mental health continues to be vulnerable in 2023, and she talks about a poll from Harris Poll and CVS Health that shows that 42% of working mothers were diagnosed with anxiety and depression in 2022. That's compared to 28%. Note I said 42% of working mothers, 28% in the general population, and 25% of coworkers without kids. So she believes really that this is hardly surprising given the years that came before and all of the stressors that working moms have faced for decades. But Elizabeth joins us today to share some tips and strategies that working mothers can leverage to overcome challenges, to manage overwhelm, and to improve happiness in the workplace and out of the workplace. So I am just very, very excited for you to meet Dr. Elizabeth Arleo. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have Dr. Elizabeth Arleo with me here today. Welcome, Elizabeth.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on today.
1: I We were just chatting briefly and saying that we are so aligned with so many things that you guys, I know that you all are going to love her. Um, but I would love for you to introduce yourself. Tell us all about you and your family.
0: Thank you. Um, So I'm Elizabeth Arleo. I'm a practicing physician specializing in radiology, specifically women's imaging um, at New York Presbyterian Hospital, Wild Cornell in New York City. I'm a mother of three girls, ages 15, 11, and 6, and I'm the author of a new book out on International Women's Day this year called First Eat Your Frog and Other Pearls for Professional Working Mothers.
1: Don't y'all love it? I know that you all, I know so many of you have read Secrets of Super Mom, And I just said, I bet we have so many overlaps. So I'm excited to read it. And I know that you all will be too. So we'll have the link to that in the show notes. And I know we're going to be talking about some of the things that are in there today, which is really exciting. So I would love to, we're going to talk a little bit about Overwhelm versus balance, right? We so in my mind, those are opposites, right? I if I'm feeling overwhelmed, I probably am not feeling balance. But I wanted to just kind of start with: Do you think that working moms struggle with this, like over top of of anybody else, right? Do you think that we sort of feel this more than anyone?
0: I, I do. I mean, I think it's both, um, you know, a, a good time and a not so good time to be a professional working mother in 2023. I think, you know, the, the the good news is that, you know, many or most of us in our age bracket grew up being told, you know, you can do anything you want to be do, you can be anything you want to be. Um, and we have. And yet at the same time, the bad news is that, you know, the politics, economics, and frankly, like our work culture doesn't entirely support um working in conjunction with motherhood. So, you know, taking the sort of more macro look, politically there's no US uh, federal law providing a right to paid family or medical leave. Economically, high-quality child care is really hard to come by. Um and culturally there's this double bind at work, you know, if you're too quiet and don't speak about your accomplishments, you may be overlooked for um, promotion, but if you speak up too much, then you're viewed as you know, assertive or too aggressive. And so I think even if you are lucky enough to have the most supportive partner at home, it's still a double whammy to navigate ca- career and motherhood. And so that's why, yes, in answer to your question, I do think professional working women are dealing with this more than another cohort, for example.
1: Yeah, there's so many things that could get, I guess, get in our way uh, and, and make us feel overwhelmed, right? We could have an amazing supportive employer that provides a lot of support in the ways that we need it as, as a mother, but then maybe we don't have a supportive spouse. Or we could have the reverse of that, where we have the really amazing spouse, but at work, it's really challenging to, to get to climb the ladder or it's really challenging to get time off or it's really challenging to have any level of flexibility and all of that makes life harder. Yes for, for sure
0: um, and, it, it, and it's and it's going to take time to change the way obviously our, our culture and our politics and economics um, uh, are and so you know time which as busy professional working mothers we're already short, short on So that's why um, in my book, I try to uh, sort of curate and put together um, pearls of wisdom that I've learned in the past 15 years since I first became a professional working mother that are easily actionable uh, now.
1: Yes. I I love this. I want to dive into a little bit about what's in your book. So you talk about how we have more time in a week than we really think we do. And so I want you to tell me a little bit more about that, what that that means, what you mean, and how we can access this time that might exist that we don't know is there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I first learned about the idea of thinking about time in 168 hours instead of 24-hour chunks Mm. from Laura Vanderkam, who is a prolific um, writer, speaker, and also a mother of five. And really, the equation is that, you know, we all have 24 hours a day, seven days a week, equaling 168 hours a week. So the math is, even if you work 50 hours a week, which is more than most, and you sleep 56 hours a week, which would be eight hours a night, seven days a week, which sounds like absolutely delicious to most, (laughs) uh, you know, the fact of the math is still after work and sleep, you still have over 60 hours to do what you decide are your priorities what you need and want to do for yourself and um you know your family, your your friends and your community. And so how does this help us as professional working mothers? I think, you know, knowing, understanding that that there is all this time can help you feel less overwhelmed. And it's truly calming because you can see that in fact there are 60 plus hours. Um, there is plenty of time to manage your priorities make distinguishing between priorities and everything on your list because not everything by definition is a priority.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, that step back. And I think so many of us are just doing all the things all the time that we don't necessarily know where our time is going. We don't necessarily know what time we're spending, wasted, right? Time that we don't even maybe want to be spending on certain tasks or not on our priorities or just kind of not efficient, right? Like jumping around between tasks and doing all sorts of wild things that that don't really matter to us and we don't really realize this, but when you take that big step back and say, "Oh, I actually have like this is a lot of hours in my week that I could be doing" all of these other things and what am I actually doing? And kind of asking yourself those questions. What am I using my time for? Am I using it the way I want to? Is it bringing me joy or is it like causing more overwhelm?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very helpful. This the idea of thinking about time in 60, 168 hours because um, you know where you can't have it all or can't do it all within 24 hours, just thinking about time and seeing it in the elongated 168,
1: it, it is truly calming to see that there is time. You just have to manage it. Yeah. Yeah. We get to decide what, what those are. I, I want to ask you about priorities when you say like, we, we want to make time for our priorities. How have you in your life kind of figured out what those things are? Have you used any strategies to really decide this is how I want to be spending my time versus this is not how I want to be spending my time?
0: Um, I think there's like the both. Yes. Um, I, I definitely have spent lots of time and take time to intentionally think about how I use my time and my priorities. I mean, I think what your priorities are, you know, change with the season of your life and your interests, but having clarity that like the most important things <clears throat> for me are, you know, my children and as a practicing physician, my patients, like makes it very clear to me in terms of like opportunity cost, or if I'm trying to decide what to do. Um, I'm not gonna struggle or have guilt because it's very clear to me, I know what the priority um, is. Um, and in terms of like logistically, I do do like to sort of, and i go into this into uh, in the book, uh, um, map out a whole week, like on a Google Express, uh, sales spreadsheet, like using color blocking time. So I block out, my priorities, which number one is sleep, because you can't do everything else unless you take care of yourself in that department. Then I'll block out, you know, my clinical hours, um, because while I'm taking care of patients, that's the only thing I want to be doing. Um, and then I'll schedule everything else in according, you know, to priority. Um, you know, taking care of myself physically with exercise so that I feel good and can take care of others. Um, So yeah, I think having clarity on your priorities and then scheduling them in helps get it done. I don't know if that answers.
1: Uh, it completely answered my question. And you are a woman of my own heart. I love it so much. That is like my process that you're sharing. So hello, this is exactly what what we teach all the time and what we talk about because it's so important, right? It's so important to actually take the step back to look at the week and to say, what is really important to me? What, what blocks do I have? And how do I make sure that those things that, that help like build me, right? Like sleep and work and working out and those things, how do I make sure that I include those? So I love that you that your personal process is exactly that looking at that and being able to dig into it I want to talk a little bit about work-life integration or or balance or alignment or whatever we want to call it right you have kind of eight lessons in the book and I want to talk about maybe some of the important ones or some of the ones that maybe are you really feel are are big ones and then maybe also any that you struggle with yes um <clears throat> so I think my uh, you know my
0: three favorite or three most important um pearls um would be the one, as we talked about, think about time in 168 hours um to <clears throat> first eat your frog and I can explain more about what that means. and yep. three um don't don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good, which is mm-hmm. um I think the one that I get, continue to struggle with um the most um and maybe talk to myself the most yep. about so, um, I can talk, I'll talk about whichever
1: one. Yes. First. Le- yes. Let's talk about them all. I love it. Um, I, yes, I, so yes. Tell us first eat your frog is the, I mean, that's the title of the book, right? So let's talk about that one first. What does that mean?
0: Yeah. So first eat your frog, um, comes from a quotation attributed to Mark Twain that I've had hanging in my office for years that says, <clears throat> if it's your job to eat a frog, it's best to eat it first thing in the morning. And if it's your job to eat two frogs, it's best to eat the larger one first meaning that, in other words, by eating your frog, by doing your most important thing as early as possible in the day or week or whatever time period you're planning for, um, you make it as easy as possible to do something you really want to do or or deem as a priority for yourself personally or professionally. And how does this help us as professional working women? Well, um, I would say two ways. One, you you set yourself up for success. And two, it lessens your mental load. So, where your mental load is, as you know, is defined as all the mental work, the organizing, the list making and the planning you do to manage your life and those dependent on, yours, uh, on you. So I would say as an example and also a public service announcement because I, um, I focus on women's imaging, the recommendation for the American College of Radiology and Society of Breast Imaging is for annual screening mammography starting at age 40 for women of average risk and continuing for as long as a woman is in good health. And yet screening can also be um, anxiety provoking, even for a breast imager like myself. And so I, what I try to do is I try to schedule my annual screening mammogram as early as possible in the month, week, day that I'm having it done so that I can set myself up for success and take care of myself physically and like lessen the mental load of you know waiting for that appointment.
1: Yes. Yes. It doesn't by getting the big thing out of the way. And in that case, right. It doesn't let it hang over your head and it doesn't. So it's not hanging over your head, feeling like you have to work up to it and causing all of that stress and emotion, right. Consistently. And also, like you said, the reverse of that is it gets done. And you're like, yes, I did that. I I'm done with my big thing, right. I'm taking care of my health. I feel good about what I have accomplished today and lets you end that day saying, yes, today was successful. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So, so let's go on. So, and I, because I think our, I I think our listeners can certainly right. Relate to that. We, we try to put off the important thing or the thing that maybe is not screaming as loud as the other things, but we know that's the most important. We know that's the biggest thing. And so like putting that first just makes sense, right? It just does.
0: And you free up so much energy that you would be wasted like thinking about getting it done. Once it's done, you could put that energy to doing something else. So it's really the highest and best use of your your time and energy, Um, which I think is is, is closely also tied into don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good, Mm. um, which is a quotation attributed to Voltaire, who was a French philosopher in the 1700s. This is a quotation I do not have hanging in my office wall because still um, patient care is like the last area in which I do strive for perfection as close to perfection as humanly possible. And yet outside of patient care, um, like for myself more personally or non-clinical professional tasks, what this means to me as a recovering perfectionist is that I try to be more of a satisficer. In other words, if there's a task that needs to get done, I try to set specific criteria. um, And when those are met, you know, I'm satisfied, I'm done. Um, For example, if I'm, you know, looking for a a restaurant for date night with my husband, which I can do because that's only, you know, two or three hours out of the 60 plus we discussed is there on the calendar. Like I'm going to set the criteria. I want, you know, a Mexican restaurant with a good happy hour in walking distance. Once I hit those criteria, I'm going to make the reservation and I'm done. I'm going to remind myself, you know, not to keep scrolling through looking for the perfect restaurant because the perfect restaurant doesn't exist. And I think this really helps us as professional working mothers to remind ourselves that, you know, perfection is not humanly attainable um, because if you're striving for something that's not attainable, this can contribute to feelings of anxiety and depression.
1: I love your example because it so ties into how I feel about perfectionism because I actually didn't think I was a perfectionist. I thought "I'm, I'm not really a perfectionist oh, but I'm an over-researcher. And that is exactly what that does, right? It causes you to procrastinate because you don't get the task done. And I always thought, oh, if I research one more thing, it, this could be just a little bit better, a little bit better. And I was like, oh my goodness. Once I started to research and really understood it, that's exactly what the perfectionism is. Thinking it could just be a little better. Thinking you could just learn a little more. Thinking you could find one restaurant that's just a tiny bit better. They have beans that are a little better in their burrito. They have the best margarita, right? You, you do don't, and and so many things are good enough. So many things would like completely meet, like you said, meet the criteria and be and probably result in an amazing date night without you having to go down the rabbit hole of every walkable restaurant from your home. Like? yeah. I um, I know a lot of women feel that, right? I know a lot of us try to do the the best of the best in all the things and. So I love that you're kind of giving that permission to say it doesn't have to be the best of the best in everything and so many things are good enough and and give you the result that you want ultimately, right? Yeah, okay. So so I wanna ask you a little bit about the recovering perfectionist piece. Do you, So you say recovering perfectionist. So how did we get from A to B?
0: Well, it's... Um... A is like my clinical work and I still strive for, again, close to human, you know, to perfection as humanly possible, but I'm only a clinical radiologist, you know, X number of hours a week. So it's hard to then turn that off and live more as a satisficer. So it's definitely something you you asked earlier, what I struggle with the most. And it's that I'm, I think I self-talk to myself. Don't let the perfect be the enemy, the good, you know, multiple times, um, a, a day because I have to like leave one persona, you know, my clinical hat, and transition to the other hats that I wear.
1: It's
0: the work in progress. Yeah, and I if see myself if I'm, you know, going down a rabbit hole or having perfectionist tendencies. Then you know, I can remind myself, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Or as Cheryl Sandberg said more recently, you know, done is better than perfect.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And being able to kind of coach yourself. I think that is part of that, that process, right? I don't know that I will ever get to the point where I just never question it, but at least catching it says, okay, hold on. Is this necessary? Do you need to research the extra thing? Right. Does this need to be a five hour job when it might be fine to be a two hour job or a one hour job? Can I really get the same effort or get the same benefit out of a smaller effort? And, and then probably have time for more of the priorities that i have in my life, the things I love spending time with, like you said, your husband on a date night or with your kids or doing something fun and being able to not spend the extra time when maybe that's not where you really want to be spending it anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. Any other of the lessons that you want to share make sure that we know
0: I would say if any of those three resonated with you, then you can check out the other five um, by listening to the book on audible.com. It's now available. Um, I'm self narrating it. That was like a huge joy to do or the hard copy available on bookshop.org or amazon.com.
1: I love it. And you all will put the show notes. I know many of you like to, you know, be running around and wrangling children while you listen to this podcast. So we'll certainly share that in the show notes. I would love to ask you a couple of questions that we love to ask all of our guests. And the first is, when do you feel most like a super mom? It's
0: such a great feeling when you do have that. I would say probably after like a busy clinical day, taking care of patients. And I feel like I've given them the best I can feel like I did really good care. And then at the end of the day, I'm exhausted and I'm snuggled in bed with you know, my girls and my family think like, uh, you know, that fleeting feeling of yes, I can do it all. Yes. <laughs> yes,
1: I love that feeling. I search for it. I want it all the time. I love it. That super mom feeling. That's absolutely it. Oh, love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. Last question is we love to ask what's one small step busy moms can do today to get started. So we always like to talk about those just small steps that we can do right after they're listening to get started on, on integration work life balance getting out of overwhelm
0: um great question i think at the risk of sounding too self promotional uh download the, my audiobook like yeah. if what i resonated what i said today resonated with you um you know listen to it while you're commuting or folding laundry or working out because it is a um, curated, I think high yield, uh, you know, uh, the most important things I've learned in the 15 years since I became a first, first became a professional working mother. And I hope that they, some of these tips will be as helpful to you as they have for me. And yes.
1: Yes. Love it. Um, Where can we find you online? What about, um, I know we can get the book on Amazon. What about um, on socials, anything like that, that we can follow along?
0: Yep. Um, Twitter is big in radiology. So I am at Dr. Arleo and similarly tagged on Instagram and on LinkedIn. And I also have a website, um, Dr. ElizabethKaganArleo.com.
1: Perfect. And we'll put again, all those in the show notes. This has been so great. I'm so excited to read, to read all of the book and um, get all of the goodness. And maybe, maybe I'll be a listener too. maybe, uh, maybe I'll do the audible instead, because I always love, especially when the author reads their own book. That is my favorite. So, so yes, I love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much.
0: My pleasure. Thank you again for the opportunity.
1: Thanks for listening to the secrets of super mom show. It doesn't have to end here. Head over to secretsofsupermom.com and take the quiz to find out your personalized Supermom superpower. Or if you want to hang out in the next best thing to real life, join me at Secrets of Supermom on Facebook or Instagram. Big hug, y'all.